I saw water pouring out from the temple. I was led through water that was ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, then a river over my head, water to swim in. Wherever the river flows, life will flourish, great schools of fish, because the river is turning the salt sea into fresh water. The sea will teem with fish of all kinds. The trees on both banks will bear fresh fruit because the river from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, thanks for the welcome. Very much appreciated. And I want to say hello to those in Cathy Church and also to those watching online. I can't tell you how I'm excited I am to be bringing this fourth message in our series, in the Vision Series, for a reason that I'll tell you about just in a moment or two. But we are going to, let me introduce the, the theme first and then I'll tell you why I'm really excited about it. And hopefully you'll capture something of my excitement in this theme. Uh, we are following through, as you, as you know, our Vision Series, Going Deeper Together. And today we come to part four, which is going deeper together in doing good for others. Uh, our kind of key text for the whole of this series, as uh, many of you know, is Ezekiel 47. And uh, th th this is a picture, it's a prophetic picture for us of the way that God has placed so much in us and then we're invited to take it out to the world around us, to open wide the doors, to get out into the streets, to get into our neighborhoods, our workplaces, wherever we might go, carrying with us the very presence of Jesus, the very presence of God's Spirit within us. Can I get an amen for that? Because this river, the, the picture is of a river that flows from the temple of God. In Ezekiel's time, they'd be thinking about the physical temple, but we know from the New Testament that the temple now is us, the corporate gathering, as it were, of Christians globally, but also in this place here in Kingsgate. God has put something in us. It's amazing. Come on, let's get an amen for that. You really get hold of this. God has put something in us that is worth sharing with the world. We have got good news. We have got great things to bring out the doors, into the streets, into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, all the places we go, because God has done so much in our lives. If you took a minute just to think, what has God done in my life? He saved me. He set me free. He's, uh, you know, he's encouraged me to understand what it means to be a son of the living God, to be royalty. You could go on, couldn't you? All the things that I am in Christ, all of that has been poured into me and you too. And he wants to release it as a living stream of living water to those around us. Now that's exciting, isn't it? Now in the picture in Ezekiel, uh, there is a picture of transformation, which I think is absolutely wonderful. It's this picture, and we heard it just a moment or two ago, of the river flowing out of the temple of God. It flows down and when, uh, let me just pick it up in verse eight, the water flows towards the Eastern region and goes down to the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. Now you know the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because it is 
is dead here. It's a salt sea. It's a salt lake, 33.7% salinity. That is, it's just everything in it dies. That's why it's called a dead sea. No animal can live in it. If a plant had its roots in that water, it would die. Nothing good can grow around the dead sea. And yet, here is the miraculous, wonderful picture. I read on in verse 8. And when that river of God empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Wow, that is a miracle. Let me tell you how much of a miracle that is. Right, I did some research into this. If you take half a gram of salt and put it in a liter of water, it will kill every plant that you water it with. Right, that's minute, it's tiny. Okay, I know I lost some of you there. On, let's go old money, okay? Uh, 17 thousandths of an ounce in two pints. Ah, you get it now, don't you? It's tiny, tiny, tiny piece of salt. So when you say this river is going into the Dead Sea and life is abounding, it's miraculous. It's, it's not something that we could do on our own. It's something that God does in us. We're in miracle territory here. And verse 12, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them, that's right, right downstream as it were, their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. So that's like doing good and healing. And we heard about healing last week. And today I'm picking up this theme of doing good as, as an idea, but as a real reality in our lives too. Now, I promise I'll tell you why I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this because I am living proof of the fact that if Christians didn't do good to people who didn't deserve it, I would not be standing here. I haven't got a long time to tell you, but very quickly I want to tell you the story of two people that I want to honour. Their names are Eric and Anne Buchanan. None of you have ever heard of them before, and I only found out about them when I was about 17 or 18. They lived in my hometown of East Kilbride in the west of Scotland, and in their late 50s, um, they were a very unassuming couple. They were highly motivated Christians, and they saw a problem in our town that they decided that they didn't have the money to fix, but they were going to do something about it. And what that was is that every Friday and Saturday evening, out of all the pubs in the center of the town of East Kilbride, would literally fall men and women so drunk they didn't even know who they were, where they had to, to be, they, didn't know, they couldn't remember where they lived, they were being sick and all the rest of it in the street. Often they would find these people literally, literally lying in the gutter. And what they decided to do was, you know, not to stand back and think, well, there's a problem, we can't do anything about it. They decided to open their home to these people. So every Friday night, he went and bought a minibus, you know, like an old beat-up minibus. And every Friday and Saturday night, under their own expense, their own, under their own steam, they would fill this minibus with six or seven men and women who were just beside themselves, paralytic drunk, had no idea where they were. Now, I know what you're thinking. You were thinking I was one of those people. No. <laughs> Thanks for your trust, but it wasn't me, no. <clears throat> and so in the morning, uh, Saturday morning and Sunday morning, uh, they would wake these people up, they would give them breakfast, and then use his minibus to take them home because the compass mentis is there. Now, why I'm thankful is because one of the men that they picked up was my father. Oh, I've just got to go now. My father was literally an alcoholic lying in the gutter after a night out in the pub, and they picked him up. They didn't know him from anybody. They picked him up and took him home to their house. Um, the detail was terrible. And they loved on him. They loved him. They cared for him. And they did this week after week after week after week after week for very many, many months until my father saw something in them and asked them, what is motivating you to do this? Look at the state of your house. I mean, their house was getting destroyed by these people. 
Look at the state of your house. What's motivating you? And he said, what motivates us is we, God has loved us. <clears throat> He's poured his love into our hearts and we want to let it out onto other people. My father surrendered his life to Christ, brought us as a family, a 17-year-old, I've told you this before, dragged to church by my alcoholic father who's had this experience of religion. It was all out there. But if they hadn't gone and done good in the name of Jesus, I, I don't believe I'd have been standing here today as a believer. So... <clears throat> So I want to honor <coughs> excuse me, that delightful couple. If they're not in glory, I think they're in glory now, but they'll be well into their late 90s if they're still around. But I want to honor them. But they are just typical of thousands, if not millions of Christians like you and I, who can be motivated to take what God has put in us and get it out there. So what I want to do just this, uh, right now is just look at two kind of questions. Why would we be motivated to do that? And secondly, how can we practically do that? So we, we do it in our individual lives, we do it together as life groups and clusters, we do it as a whole family in our community action and uh, global ministries, and I'll just share something about that just in a moment or two. But then first, let's just look at why we should do good to other people. <clears throat> A fact, apart from the fact it's a good thing to do, okay, I'm looking at the Bible, looking for some reasons. Let me give you three quick reasons from the Bible of why we should do good to others. Number one, we do good to others because we are following Christ's example. We follow Christ's example. In Acts 10, chapter 20, uh, 38, uh, chapter 10, verse 38, Peter gives a description of Jesus and it reads like this. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good, that's what we're thinking about now, doing good and healing. Do you hear that kind of uh, thing there? The, the fruit for goodness, uh, leaves for healing. Jesus went about doing good and healing. So he's picked up that mantle, uh, uh, all, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, in the last 30 days, uh, well, about 10 days now, I've been trying to do, I say trying, because I am trying to do a 30 days through the New Testament Okay, I, I'm, not a, I'm a great reader, I love reading, but see when it comes to the Bible, I just get caught in every other verse, right? I try to read a chapter uh, from my daily devotionals, I get three verses in it and some wonder jumps out and I find myself you know, writing about it or I, I just can't read a chapter. And now I've set myself, I have to read nine chapters a day. So I'm nine days in, I'm about six days behind. But, but, <laughs> so it means it's a 37 and a half day of 30 days through the New Testament. But let me tell you, that what's really happened. I've been reading through Matthew's, I've read Matthew, Mark, and about two-thirds of Luke's gospel. And what I see there in the person of Jesus is not only a good man, but there's a man, a God who does good to other people. There's not one person who comes, approaches Jesus, and goes away worse. Every single person who comes is either healed or helped or pointed in the right direction or something. He does good to others. And I'm captured by that. I'm captured by the fact I want to do what Jesus did. We often ask the question, what would Jesus do? Well, what Jesus would do was do good and healing. Would we do what Jesus would do? You see, there's a compelling uniqueness about Jesus, which is absolutely, totally wonderful. And if those of us who are Christians know this, but if you're here and you're listening to my voice and you're not yet a Christian, uh, later on in the service, I'm actually going to pause and give opportunity for you to invite this Jesus to come in and make a transformational difference in your life. But for the moment, I'm speaking to us as believers. We're saying, what motivates me to do good? Well, firstly, we're motivated by the fact that we are following Christ's example. When we do good, we are doing what Jesus would do if he was in our shoes. Secondly, 
Second reason, we make our faith tangible. There's a great verse in James chapter 2, 26, which uh, I actually love. I'm reading it from the Passion Translation here because it just captures it a little uh, energy. For just as a human body without the spirit is a dead corpse, that's stark, so faith without the expression of good works is dead. You see, for people to see our faith, they have to see us doing good. The connection between faith and doing good is actually the hallmark of lots of believers, but it is one, it is one of the hallmarks of one of the heroes of my faith, uh, William Booth. I don't know if you know about William Booth. Uh, in 1865, um, he founded the Salvation Army, uh, which is now uh, all over the world, uh, but he was highly motivated by this idea of faith and actions. Now, what motivated William Booth was he wanted to see the world come back to Jesus, That sounds familiar, doesn't it? He was very, very highly motivated on that. He was motivated to to reach people, uh, what he called uh, the worst souls. He used to say, go for souls and go for the worst. Because there were lots of people who were an underclass at the time in the late 1800s in, in the UK who weren't allowed inside churches. They just couldn't go there. It was socially unacceptable. William Booth said, if they can't get to the church, I'm going to take the church to them. And that he set up the first the Christian mission, then the Salvation Army in 1865. One of his favorite sayings was just that, go for souls and go for the worst. And when they used to plant a Salvation Army in a city or a town, uh, so for example, they would send like the equivalent of a minibus, but it was like a Sharabang thing, uh, up the, what was the A, Great Northern Road, up the A1, they came uh, to Peterborough, then they went to uh, Grantham in York, and when they arrived in York, uh, literally what they would do is that two young people, they would just put them off the back of the, they would stop, you would put them off the back of the Sharabang and say, on you go, just go and start a church, go and start a mission, two 17-year-olds, amazing uh, faith, and what they would say to them, and they were armed with one thing, it's find the worst person in town who's not a Christian. Go look for them, find them. And when you find them, pray for them, plead with them, lead them to Jesus. Because when they come to Jesus, when you've got this action followed by faith or faith and action going like that, uh, the whole town will know about it very quickly. And so the Salvation Army as a church grew rapidly in its first 50 years through that kind of thing. Uh, but he came to realize, uh, and this is again one of the kind of great contributions to our country's thinking. Uh, this was before the welfare state and all the rest of it. He began to realize that because he was going for souls and he was going for the worst, that you couldn't actually, he, he used to say, we can't get someone saved if they're hungry. You can't get someone saved if they've got cold feet. You can't get someone saved if they're petrified and worried about what's going to happen to them tonight or tomorrow. And so he set up hostels and all sorts of feeding stations and all the rest of it so that he could help people and prepare them for receiving the gospel message. And yet that's it's amazing, isn't it, that to have that kind of insight. Um, in one of his later books, he, he writes this, faith and works should travel side by side step by step answering step like the legs of men walking first faith and then works then faith again and then works again until they can scarcely distinguish which of the one uh, which is one and which is the other what a challenge isn't it to make our faith tangible that's a reason why to help people third reason why we should do good for people is because we are living out God's destiny for us In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we read that you are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, let me give you a Greek alert here. It's the only Greek you're going to get today. Uh, 
That good works is, is amazing depth there. The word for good is agathos, which describes what originates from God. And the word ergon, is the word work, means um, in a deed or action that completes an inner purpose. Isn't that wonderful? That God has, uh, originates good things from us that fulfill our purpose in us. So when we are caring, when we are doing good for other people, we are actually stepping into what God has prepared for us in advance. I find that highly motivating every morning to say, Father, who do you want to bless through me today? You've got a good work prepared for me. Where is it? Let me see it. Let me have revelation. Let me have insight. Let me meet someone that you want me to help. What have you got in store for me today? What Let's go back to the salty water and the fresh water. What salty area are you sending me into today to bring this fresh and living water? Is it my workplace? Is it my street? It could be anywhere, the shops. Or, I don't know. Um, how are you doing? Are you feeling motivated yet? To, it, it, can I give you a fourth one for free? Okay. It's not in your notes. I'll give you a fourth one for free. This is, a, this is an amazing one. A fourth one for free, Matthew 25, is that when we serve other people, Jesus takes it as if we're serving him. Okay, oh, I think, whoa, that. So when we're serving other people, Jesus sees that and reads it like we're serving him. Uh, he tells the story, um, I haven't got time to go into it, but he says, I, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited. And the dumbfounded disciples said, we didn't. When did we do that? And Jesus said, when you did this for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. So go back to Eric and Anne Buchanan. They were highly motivated by this. When they were serving these drunks, these people who had no idea what they were doing, they knew that they were serving Jesus. Jesus was looking at that and saying, that's for me. That's amazing, isn't it? So when we are doing good, Jesus is taking that and crediting it to us as if we are serving him. That is amazing. So we're highly motivated. Let's get practical then. How can we do, uh, get deeper in doing good? How can we take it to the next level as it were? How can we do good for others? Well, of course, there's the good that we do as individuals. You're good people who do good all the time, aren't you? Yeah, two of you are, okay? The rest of you have got some problems. We've got a special course for you guys, okay? It's called Beta, okay? You should get on it and it might help you out with that. But I'm, I'm believing higher than you that you're good people, that you want to do good things. And wherever you go, you're, you're listening out, you're looking for that opportunity as individuals, as kingdom ambassadors, wherever God has placed you. We, we serve together in life groups, don't we? And in clusters. Um, we do various, so I, could, I mean, again, I have a bit short of time, but I could tell you loads of examples of life groups and clusters that serve at Easter egg hunts, at carnivals and cleaning the, the town up. Uh, I know of a couple of uh, life groups who have food bank collection points in their neighborhood, in their house, all sorts of different things like that. I know I've been out with our cluster in uh, the village where I live, uh, cleaning up behind, uh, you know, uh, we had a, like a carnival in the town, just helping to clean up. It's just, it's just a great thing to do uh, together. But we also do that uh, together as a whole Kingsgate family. So I guess you know what you do. I guess you might know what some of the life groups do. But I guess that many of us don't have much of a clue what goes on in our name, in our community action, and in our global mission. So, so I want to concentrate on that for the next few minutes. And as you listen to what I'm sharing, I want you to just not be passive. But would you just say right now, Holy Spirit of God, will you just give me a prompt about how I can get involved in this I've got no intention of guilting anybody into any kind of action. I just want you to hear from God. 
And if God tells you to get involved in one of these things, then be obedient and listen to what he's saying. Is that okay? Good, right, okay. So let's talk, let me talk rather, (laughs) let us talk about some of the projects that we're involved with globally. They're absolutely amazing. In the Kingsgate family, we are partnering with three international missions, Heart for Lebanon, Balembu, and Compassion. Now, in partnership with Heart for Lebanon, we are doing good uh, at the Syrian refugee camps on the border of Syria. Now, obviously, uh, it's not possible right now for us to send teams there. Uh, It's too dangerous. But we are able to help practically by giving financially from our mission fund. You know that 10% of everything that you give into Kingsgate, 10% of everything I give, whether it be in our uh, weekly tithing offerings or whether it be a monthly or whether it be in our special offering we're having in a few weeks' time, 10% of all of that goes into this mission fund. And from that, we have supported um, Heart for Lebanon. Then last year, which was our 30-year celebration, you might recall that we gave them an additional gift to help out uh, get children into schooling. Because one of the challenges, saltiness that goes on in these terrible refugee camps is that the children don't have any education. So we're trying to do, in partnership with Heart for Lebanon, something about that. And here is a lovely photograph just coming up on the screen now of um, some kids um, receiving the backpacks that you paid for. And in that backpack uh, is all like uh, books and pencils and all that kind of stuff. But what it represents, you know, see books and pencils and bags, we can get them from anywhere, can't we? But what it represents is education as an opportunity. So thank you. Thank you for what you've given and what you're doing to help support that ministry. We also supported the launching of a church in the Becca Valley in the Lebanon. It started in early 28 with just a handful of people. Uh, and on the 9th of December, they sent us a photograph to, as a leadership team, which showed uh, 200 adults and 50 children worshipping. Now, I can't show you the picture because of the sensitivities of it. But believe me, I've seen it. And it fills your heart with joy to think that these people are hearing about Jesus in the the worst, most difficult circumstances that you could ever imagine. Into the salt water of that tragic conflict, fresh water flows through our partnership with that ministry, giving children particularly the opportunity to thrive. That's amazing, isn't it? Now, swapping over onto the African continent for a moment, we've been sending teams to Belembu in Eswatini, I have to say, because it's former Swaziland, since 2012. And over 70 Uh, People from our church have gone there for a two-week mission. Here's a photo of one of the most recent teams that have been out there. They look as if they're having a good time, don't they? Kind of. Yeah, I'm not sure about the... What do you call that thing? Yeah, Usain Bolt. Uh, Anyway... This is them out in Belembu uh, in what former Swaziland. Now, Belembu, uh, for those who don't know, is a rescue town. It's home for around 400 children from babies through to young adults. Uh, and many of those are AIDS orphans that literally don't have another person in their world. So they come and they live in Belembu in a small kind of house, uh, six children with an, uh, an adult carer, uh, kind of teacher, nurse, Christian who looks after them, um, uh, auntie they call them, uh, looks after them. In the village they've got a school, a dairy, a bakery, a shop and a water bottling plant on site as well as a whole load of other things and we have had opportunity over the past uh, eight years now to be able to give to various things. We bought them a four by four vehicle so that they can travel out there. We've paid for some buildings in the school. We paid for a refurbishment of the swimming pool because one of the highest death rates in that area is from children drowning because they can't swim. So our team have been going out there year after year after year teaching children how to swim which is literally a life-saving operation. 
Again, this is salt water in that area. An AIDS camp, you could hardly think it's anything else, could you? But the fresh water of doing good is coming through our ministries then. Uh, There's a team going to Belembo this November, and you can find out more about it by uh, asking at the information desk afterwards. You see, our giving and our going really, really makes a difference, uh, and I want to encourage you to bring life in that way. And our third and key overseas mission is in our partnership with a mission agency entitled Compassion International. Now, in partnership with Compassion, uh, it gives all of us as individuals the capacity and the opportunity to, to sponsor a child who otherwise would have significant barriers to growth and development in their own life. And I thought rather than me tell you, I would show you a short video. Uh, it's a, a couple talking about the child that they have been sponsoring for their last 11 years. So just take a look at this with me, would you? I believe it's all about the one. If we can make a difference in one person's life, then who knows what that can lead to. We take so much for granted in the Western world. And, you know, when you visit a compassion child and you see firsthand, you realise what is important. We're not able to see our compassion girls grow. We have photographs of them. Those photographs are side by side with our own daughters and our grandchildren. Violet was quite little and now she's 14 and growing up fast. So it's going to be quite exciting to actually see her in person. This is, for us, a dream come true to visit the girl that has been in our prayers, on our hearts, in our thoughts for 11 years. When the family gets a visit, it is actually a blessing. The child meets the sponsor and the child can never imagine I'll ever see this person physically, apart from photos and communication in letters. But when there's this sponsor coming physically, wow, it's just breathtaking. And it's a blessing to the families. When we were maybe 50 meters away, we could hear them. The windows were up, but we could still hear them singing, singing their hearts out. She appeared out of nowhere. I didn't see her coming. But she just threw herself at me. And I don't think I will ever forget that moment. It was like we'd known each other ever since she was born and that we'd been apart for so long. You're not just sponsoring some random person who you never know anything about. Each child is known by somebody. They are cared for, they are looked after. I think about the staff, how passionate they are to see these kids thrive and uh, flourish. We want to add value on these children's lives. That means economically, spiritually, they know what to do. We only play a small part, but to see the day-to-day running of the project that provides hope, Violet. I will always remember that and remind myself that she's being cared for. Looking at each person on that photograph that plays a part in Violet's life, and I think that was the thing that struck me, you know, that it's not just us. Each member of staff plays a part in making sure she thrives, making sure she reaches her full potential, and that's what really struck me. It will really be treasured. 
I realise that I can't change the world, but I know Linda and I can make a difference in more children's lives. The only thing that I know for sure is that our lives are not going to be the same again. Wow, what an amazing story of making a difference. Uh, as a Kingsgate family, we sponsor already uh, 151 children um, across the globe, uh, but there's more, there are many more that could do with sponsorship. Uh, it costs 25 pounds a month to sponsor a child, so it's something you have to think about, of course. Um, but if you're interested in that, get more information from the team uh, after the service is uh, com completed. Of course, doing good and blessing others includes those in need who are a bit nearer to home. And I just want to spend another couple of minutes just telling you about some of the things that happen in our uh, this region, this city and region. So for example, uh, we have a food bank in this city. Uh, many of you know that, a couple of images just to show you. This is a city-wide ministry in which we partner with over 35 churches and faith groups to provide food for people who are referred to us by more than one of 60 agencies. So it's quite a big thing, isn't it? Last year, our seven food banks gave out, wait for this, 51 tons of food feeding over 57,213 meals across our city. Thousands of people and families who, without our help, would not have had enough food on the table on that day. We regularly receive reports of parents who haven't eaten for days so that they could feed their children, and then we are able to help them. This is in our city. This is salt water in our city being helped by this refreshing doing Good. It's amazing. Well done to the food bank team. Then there's our care zone, which collects and recycles furniture, has done for many years. Uh, last year, uh, there were more than 2,270 visits from people to the care zone uh, by people seeking help from us. Uh, 475 houses were furnished. And in addition to the countless clothes and small items that we gave away, we also gave away 1,702, don't forget the two, 1,702 large items of furniture free of charge to families who needed them. It's amazing, isn't it? This is really, really making a difference. One of the team uh, wrote to me to tell me about their experience. I've only got a few moments. Let me just share something of it. As soon as the Care Zone van arrived, um, the woman who had been homeless for five years came out of her flat to greet us and gave us an incredibly warm welcome. When we went in, we discovered that she'd been sleeping on a pile of her own clothes. There had been no bed, no mattress, no sheets, no blankets. I I'm just so moved I again and again to think this is in our city. This shouldn't be happening and we're one of the richest countries in the world. Uh, but then it's happening all around us. She said, I've not slept on a bed for five years. We were able to bless her with a brand new bed, which is important, brand new. Brand new bed and bedding. We were able to give her a small sofa, a dining room table and two chairs. She repeated what she'd said over and over. I haven't eaten a meal at a table or sat at my own sofa for five years. And when we arrived, this lady had absolutely nothing in her flat. And when Carezone left, we had helped her to furnish a home. I wonder if you join me. Let's show our appreciation to the teams who are doing this. Now, of course, you're involved in that, but maybe God is speaking to some of you to get more involved in this. I wonder how we could take our doing good, our, 
up to the next level. I've been thinking about this as I've been preparing for two or three weeks now. I've been thinking, how can I do that for me? I can't actually tell you how to do that, but can I just talk you through how I've been thinking about it and see if it helps you? I was thinking that maybe I need to think about the different groups of people that, um, that are in my life, and I'm just going to draw on a little th- thing here. So this is, you can do this anywhere, just get a scrap of paper. If you've got a whiteboard in your front room, Use a whiteboard, that's great. You know, uh, if you've got a fridge, you can draw on your fridge door. You know this. Uh, so I'm just going to show you this very quickly. Uh, you might want to scribble it down just as you go because I'm not going to give you any answers here. I'm just going to point you to think about how can I take my doing good to the next level. So firstly, let's think about, I think there are like three groups of people that are in my life. So there's, uh, oh, let me just see if this works. We'll be great. There we are. Um, what I call my nearest and dearest, I'm just going to put them there. Um, then I'm going to see uh, my close contacts. So that's people, you know, so nearest and dearest is obviously my family and close, close friends, closest friends. Um, close contacts are colleagues, friends, neighbors, people that I kind of bump into as I go around. And then there's obviously another group of people, people, some of them I don't even know, that are further away, they're furthest away. So I'm including that, those who are in these mission projects and so on that I've never met, may not have opportunity to meet but I'm still feeling very motivated and called by God to do something into there. Then I'm asking myself the question, for those three groups of people, how much, this is pretty harsh, okay, uh, how much good am I actually doing for those people? Okay, so let me see, I'm going to put it across the top here. I'm actually doing no good for them. I'm not assuming that. Doing some good for them, or I'm doing a great good for them. So I know this looks like Manchester City's forward line that I'm going to draw on here. But this is, here is the process. So when I think, for example, of my nearest and dearest, well, for all of us, I mean, we're going to be doing good, you know, some good for our nearest and dearest. I'm asking myself in prayer and discussion, maybe in life group over the next few weeks, how can I actually move that forward? into doing greater good for there. And the same when I think of my workplace, and I think, well, actually, I'm doing some good there, but maybe not as much as I would be doing for my immediate family. How can I take that forward there? Maybe there's a few ideas. Maybe I could think, well, actually, I could get involved in a life group or a cluster in my area, and I think, well, yeah, let's move to greater good for for the neighborhood. Then I think about the people furthest away. Now, um, when I first thought about this, I was thinking, well, actually, I'm not doing any good for the people in the mission field, except for the fact, then I remembered, that because I give to Kingsgate and 10% of everything I give goes to fund those mission projects, then I, I can rest easy a little, that I'm doing some good for those that I've never met, I'm unlikely to meet, but we have a ministry to help. But I'm challenged to think, well, how am I going to move forward in this area? And so you get get the kind of idea? What we're asking ourselves is in all of those areas with our nearest and dearest, with uh, our close contacts, with those who are furthest away, what can we do to just move it forward incrementally, at least in this season? Very simply, if you don't already give into that, then you can, you can do that. If you want to go and serve, then you can volunteer, whether it's locally or globally. There's lots of opportunities, and I would encourage you strongly to listen to God for revelation about how you can take your doing good to the next level. You see, the step, there is a step between information and inspiration, which I hope you've received today, to action. And the gap between inspiration and action is the area that we need to ask God to come and speak to us. So just in a moment or two, um, we're going to worship together. 
And even now, just for a few moments as we kind of conclude our service together, I really like us, I'm, go, I'm going to be doing this, to put ourselves in a place where we're saying, Holy Spirit of God, would you come and just fire me up? Would you put a fire in me for those who need to receive the doing good that I can do? At the very beginning of my message, I talked about all the good that God has done in me and in you, and he wants to release that as a river into the lives of others. And so we're going to ask God just to do that. So as the worship team uh, make their way to the stage, please just let me just do a short prayer and then we'll pray some, some more. Father God, I thank you so much for all the great work that's been done by us as a Kingsgate family and by the teams that are going out and serving people in very salty areas and bringing fresh water there. Thank you for the work of life groups and clusters into local communities for our community action teams as they literally travel around the city and region and bless people in difficult circumstances. Thank you for every single one of us who serves our, our lives as a kingdom ambassador. We realize there's purpose in our lives in serving others. And so I pray that you come now, Holy Spirit of God, and empower us to serve further, to go deeper in our doing good for others. In your precious name, amen.